Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah. 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 Have you been saved? Hallelujah. Have you been rescued from the pit of hell? Hallelujah. Have you been washed in the blood? Hallelujah. Have you been healed? Hallelujah. Has he put you in your right mind? Hallelujah. Has he surrounded you with better people than you deserve? Hallelujah. Has he been good to you when you didn't deserve it? Hallelujah. I can't help but say praise to Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, there's two voices fighting for your voice today. There's the voice of the enemy. And there's a voice of truth. And the enemy appeals to what you desire in your carnal nature. But the truth appeals to you seeing into heaven seeing into the righteousness of God, seeing into the truth of Jesus Christ. And they're, and they're fighting for your praise today. They're fighting for your time today. They're fighting for your heart today. They're fighting for your affection today. You are created in the image of God. The, 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 the church fathers called that the Magio Dei. And that is the image of God that you're created in. And then you get to decide, what are you going to do with that image? Are you going to turn it into an idol? Or are you going to turn it back to God and say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, for creating me. I give this creation back to you. What are you going to do this morning? I've decided I'm going to praise him. I'm going to decide in the midst of the storm, I'm going to say, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise to the name of Jesus. Praise to the name of Jesus. I decided this morning when I woke up, I'm going to give glory to Jesus. Can you say amen? I decided this morning when I woke up that he is going to be the point of my day. Here on the Lord's day as we're gathered with the saints of God. Ha. Did you come with an offering of praise to Jesus today? Did you come with an offering of praise today? Shekaba. Back in the old days, we used to carry around a checkbook. Anybody here old enough to remember a checkbook? I used to carry around a checkbook. In the, in the back of the checkbook, it's funny because you got like 50 checks. 100. No, no, we're not done. We're not we're in the scripture yet. You keep playing. When I get in the scriptures, you can stop. You, you still, we're still working. So, so in the checkbook, you come with about 100 checks and like five deposit slips. Maybe remember what I'm talking about. In the back, you got like five. And that's a depressing little statement about your financial livelihood, right? Five deposit slips, 100 checks, right? Five deposit slips. A hundred checks. I want a hundred deposit slips and five checks. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But we come to church with both checks and a deposit slip. We come with something to give the Lord. We have an offering to give Him. 
We have offering of praise. We have offering of thanksgiving. We have a financial offering. We have a serving offering that we give Jesus. We also need to come with our deposit, with our deposit slip, expecting that the Lord's going to write something on that piece of paper. And I have found that you that 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 how many of those deposit slips you get really depends on how many of those checks you use. Like, ah, would you get out of church today? Ah, or would you give Jesus? Ah, well, that's what you got. You put nothing in, you get nothing out. How many of you know those checks don't work if you don't use any of those deposit slips? They call that a felony. (laughs) You write checks without using a deposit slip is a felony. You go to jail for that kind of thing. But week after week, people have this relationship with Jesus and use a single one of those deposit slips. But want those checks to be available. People are like, I still got checks. I got to have money. No, it don't work that way. But the preacher down the street told me, well, he don't lie to you. Just because you got a checkbook don't mean you got money for those checks. That junk is, your faith is bouncing and you're wondering why. I don't believe God for something that didn't happen. Well, let me take a look at your deposit slips. Have you put anything in the bank? Your spiritual life is bouncing. And then you're going to blame God because you didn't put nothing in the bank. So can, so, so can we just praise them just for a second? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I come with an offering of praise this morning, Jesus. I come with an offering of worship this morning, Jesus. I come with a deposit saying you are God. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are Jehovah Rapha. I do depend on you. I do not depend on the flesh but I depend on what Christ has done for me on the cross. That is what I have deposited my life into, knowing that you are a very good soil to plant my seed in, Jesus. That your life is more than I would ever need, than I ever deserve. I lift your name right now, Jesus. I give you glory, and I give you honor, and I give you thanksgiving, and I give you praise. Things may not have worked out the way I thought they were going to work out, but I can still stand and say, I can still stand and say, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I was young, but now I am old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. And today, Jesus, I thank you for the bread you have provided for me in this time. And I use it as a seed to plant in the ground to offer to you more than I could ever receive back in the mighty name of Jesus. Have you got something to thank him for right now? Have you got something to thank? Listen, I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm not trying to build something here. I'm not, I'm not trying to create something. I, 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 I know there's something in you and it needs to be pulled out of you. There is a praise that needs to be released in your life. I am absolutely convinced that part of the, 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 the wave pandemic of depression in our nation in this day and age is because there is not a place to deposit your praise. Without Jesus, where in your life are you expected to come with a praise? Come on, somebody. There is a place in society that only the church can fulfill. And as the devil rises up against the church, I just feel like there's going to be a company of people who got to praise. Come on, if ever, if ever, if ever this generation needed a praise, it's now. 
I'm not trying to build something. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't, you know, I don't got a Lamborghini to pay off outside, right? I, I'm, I, I, Jesus pays my check one way or another. I'm not trying to make you do something for my benefit. But may I submit to you today, I understand the mental health crisis in our country. I understand the mental health crisis happening in the young people around us. But at the same point, I understand how we accept not looking for the good. How it's okay to not declare the word of the Lord over situations that don't line up with His word. That there's something that this generation has lost in, yet I will praise Him. This generation has lost a, it is good with my soul, because they do not have a God that they know is working in a realm they don't see. I feel sorry for a generation that only got what they can do. I feel sorry for a people walking the streets today and all they got is what they can do. I got a God that does exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask. That, this is the God that I serve. This is the God that I serve. And even, even in, my, even in the valley, I know that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yet you are still with me. David said, even if, my, even if my soul descends to the darkness and death, yet there you will be with me. Amen. See, I got a promise on my life. I got a promise on my life. And I understand the season of darkness ain't nothing but a season. That there is another season coming. Though it may be the winter, I understand spring is on the horizon. Are you in the valley right now? Let me tell you, it is a season if you got Jesus in your life. I feel bad for people who are into winter camping emotionally. Every day it's cold and dark out. That's all they got. And we got to let folks know, I got a reason to praise. I have got a reason to praise. I've got a reason to praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why am I going on like this? Number one, because I got to praise. I got to praise. Number two, um, we, 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 we're, we're, we're in this series, like, what I have, I'm, I'm just going to be real with y'all today. I'm just going to talk spiritual father to the church. Amen? We are, de- yeah, yeah, okay, good. We, we are uh, uh, the, the church in America. <clears throat> the church in America, the church in America is, is, is desperate for spiritual formation. Desperate for spiritual formation. The church the church in America is, when I grew up, I ate uh, Count Chocula every morning for breakfast. That's what I did. And my mom cooked a lot of food that I didn't like. And so for dinner, about five nights a week, you know what I ate? Count Chocula. That don't, that don't build a healthy body, right? And so I was a little on the malnourished side. And I didn't, I didn't realize it. I was a little, and then I went into, you know, uh, abject poverty on my own, uh, living on my own, and, uh, uh, and then, then I joined the service. Here's what was funny. When I went to boot camp, um, when I joined the service, uh, everybody around me was losing weight. I gained weight because now I'm actually eating real food, right? Everybody, everybody in the company is getting, getting thinner. I'm getting thicker. I'm like, I'm eating three meals. Carl is doing well. That's the church in America today. Just, just eating junk week after week. Like they want at the end of the service, they got to have a sugar high. And, uh, and, and, and yet they get into the week and they're malnourished. Got no idea how to deal with the trials of life because they've just been fed sugar. And, 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 um, and I have found 
I have found that what the Spirit is doing in this day and age is maturing His bride. And some people, you know, there are, um, there are vestiges that, that um, are set to stay being an ice cream truck, right? But there is a company that the Lord is raising up who will dig into God's Word and feed people spiritual truth even when it isn't popular so that we know how to go through the trials. Amen? So we see these church fathers. We see the, the first apostles. Their very ministry began with the murder of their rabbi. Think about it. I, I, I had a debate recently with a pastor who said, um, I, I, I got to grow up and stop having online debates. But um, <clears throat> he said, you know, every, everything that's taken away from you, every loss, God is either going to replace, he's going he's gonna to give you an upgrade, or he's going to do something. I was like, well, what? I was like, well what, 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 what happens if you lose a child? God ain't going to replace a child. God is not going to upgrade your dead child. That's just bad theology. Sounds good. Makes me feel good. I just ate a, a, a Twix bar, got a little sugar rush, but it, it ain't going to help you lift heavy weights. No, you need to have, learn how to wrestle with some loss. You need to know how God is good in the midst of your trials. You got to understand, yet I, this world is passing away. There is a kingdom that is to come. Like we, we, we have to feed people the truth of God's word, which says, guess what? Hard times may come, but you have a God with you in the trials. Can you say amen? We just need some more mature believers. And so we see in Acts chapter 2, these, these apostles, they, they lost their rabbi. The one they thought was the anointed Messiah who was going to come. He was going to come and, uh, and, and, and bring the kingdom back into order. And he died, right? And then he was resurrected. As Peter tells time and time again in Acts chapter 2, the main message of Acts chapter 2 that Peter is preaching is this one whom you murdered, the Father raised him from the dead and exalted him to the right hand of God to be both Lord and Messiah. That is the message. He resurrected him. Jesus was dead. He wasn't taking a break from his body. He was dead. All right? He wasn't taking a spiritual nap. He was dead. If he wasn't dead, then there's no resurrection. That's, that, that, that's why the scriptures say you could tell a false spirit, because the false spirit won't confess that Jesus came in the flesh. He's just a spiritual thing. No, he wasn't a spiritual thing. He was a man. And he was God, fully man and fully God. He died on that cross. But God brought him back from the dead. Walked with him for 10 days. Ascended to the right hand of the Father. And then, this, excuse me, for 40 days, then 10 days they prayed. And then the Spirit fell. They said, oh, I recognize this. This is like the presence of Jesus. This is, this is the Spirit of Christ that has fallen among us. And Peter began preaching as we've been talking about. And he says here, here's Peter, a month out of the Messiah being murdered and humiliated. They got some hope in the midst of this valley. And he stands up and he testifies to them. And at the very end, he he tells them they need to turn to Jesus. And Acts chapter 
2, verse 40, as we have been studying here in this series. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting to them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. He's talking about the religious generation again. He's not talking about the lost. He's not talking about the Greeks. He's not talking about the Romans. He's talking about his own people, right? Scriptures, God always, um, if you ever have a rebuke, it's for yours. It ain't for them. It's for yours. This is why Jonah was, was, was wrestling with the Word of God. Like, I don't, want, I don't want to tell them this because they'll repent. I'll t- I, the, then, then, the, then the curse won't come. Right? We love to rebuke them. No, no, no. We need to rebuke us. That's another... I don't, I don't got time for that right now. We'll talk about that some other time. Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received His Word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles, teaching the fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And Father, we thank you, and we trust that you have blessed the reading of your word this morning in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody said, Amen and amen. This is our last message in this message series as we have tried to tear apart this little passage of Scripture uh, to try to learn what Jesus would have us do. In our message series, we're calling Becoming Like Jesus. You got that for me, Anastasia? Becoming Like Jesus, the how and why of spiritual formation. Now, now, now there's, there, there's two ways of looking at this phrase. You could look at it like, You can't ever be like Jesus. And I would say, unfortunately, it has to be our life goal to become like Jesus. That is exactly what we are supposed to do. On the other hand, you get the realistic view of saying, I will never be like Jesus, right? I will never become the Messiah. I will never become God. But it is my life's goal that when people see me, they recognize that Jesus has been on the scene. That that they recognize that, hey, that one has been with Jesus. Jesus. Are, are you with me? Come on, I'm talking to family today. I, I, have, I, have, um, I, I'm, I have this, um, there's a wrestling in my spirit, if I could be honest with you. There, there, there's a, I, I, and those of you who preach understand, I have this, this great rejoicing in the vision that God has given me for the future, but I have a great mourning because there is a reformation that Jesus desperately desires. There is a, there is a sickness that God wants to cut out, but there is a healing that he wants to bring. And so it, it, it's, 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 it's challenging for me. And on top of that, um, the Florida Gators were embarrassed yesterday in football. And so I have this heaviness, this, 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 this mourning in my heart right now that I was, my team was so embarrassed by Louisiana of all teams. And, and it's, um, ah, you know what I'm saying? It's like when you're in middle school and you really like the girl and she starts dating the dude you hate. And now you feel like, oh, I got to be better than that. I mean, I may not be the top dog, but I got to be better than that. You know, and you find out, nah, you're, you're not, right? And so it's, there's, a, there's a pain, there's, there's, a, there's a mourning, there's a deep sense of loss in your heart. And, um, but, but in all honesty, we, we, uh, I, I have, I've, I've come to understand that the church desperately needs spiritual formation. We, we need to not just try to spoon-feed people to come back to church each week. There has to be more than that. There's got to be a bigger goal than seven days out, right? There's got to be, there has to be a greater goal. And as we look, and I'm going to get on this in a second, as we look at the historic liturgical church, 
they have so focused on what they consider to be proper spiritual formation, maybe they forgot about the joy of the present Lord. Right? And so we see the, the, the Pentecostal church came along, the spirit-filled church came along, and we were so excited about the now, maybe we have forgotten about the big picture of saying, you know, uh, 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 there is something to learn, there is something to be discipled, there is something to understand the historic nature and what Christ has done for the last 2,000 years and what the Father did for 4,000 years before that, and that may actually have some influence on what we're supposed to be doing today, not just what I heard earlier today, but possibly there's something the church fathers and the history of the church has to teach us so we can stop repeating the same errors over and over and over and over again, I was just had a meeting. Yeah, amen. Just had a meeting with some um, church leaders who uh, just wanted some counsel. And um, you know, their their pastor, very large church, uh, had an affair. You know, spent a couple months out of the pulpit, got back in the pulpit, and they're just cruising along now. You know, with with with, with a new wife. And I'm like, that's I'm I'm I just I'm not the judge. Hear me, I'm not the judge. Um, but I, you know. Can we expect more than that? Can we expect, can, we, can we expect more than that? I hear pastors in the pulpit, you know, Bernice, I hear pastors in the pulpit, and they're not sure of their theology. They're, it's like they're making it up while they're up there. They're not sure. They read something. I'm like, bro, did you read the book before you got in the pulpit? Like, have you studied any of this? Have you read the book before? I, I, I remember talking with a pastor, and I was like, what's your goal for this year? He says, I'm going to read the book of Jeremiah. I've never read it before. I'm like, how, 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 how wait, what? I'm sorry, what? Like, the church deserves better. Like, the pastor shouldn't have to use the index to find the, bi- the books in the Bible. You, I mean, anybody hear what I'm talking about right now? Like, now you don't have to have the thing memorized, but at least be familiar with, you know, the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> good God, I was at a pastor's conference one time. I was, I was at a pastor's conference. The pastor went just like this. Go ahead and turn to the book of Elijah. And half the pastors open their Bible like this. Look, I'm like, there ain't no book of Elijah. He's playing y'all right now, showing y'all y'all need to crack open your Bible. <laughs> oh, I'm on one. That's, this isn't even my message. This isn't even my message. But, but we're going to get there as a family. Amen? Amen? We're going to get there as a family. Amen? Oh, Jesus. I'm going to read this quote that we have been reading with how the, how, 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 the, how the 21st century church would read this Acts chapter. If, 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 if Peter showed up today, if Luke showed up, to, showed up today and said, I'm going, you know, let me, let me write the church as we see it today. This is, this is probably what he might write in the book of Actionless, right? He, he, would, he, would, he, would, he would write this. They studied the apostles' teaching when they were bored. They had Christian fellowship when they could fit it in. They prayed when they needed something and got lunch together every now and then. They never really saw God do anything miraculous, and they were fine with that. They sometimes talked about generosity, but never actually were generous. A couple Sundays a week they came to church. They didn't invite people into their homes and rarely talked about Jesus outside of church. In fact, they didn't really look any different than their coworkers. And every now and then, somebody was randomly, miraculously, against all our best efforts, saved. Right? That, that, that's, 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 that's the church. And I'm not throwing stones at the church. This is, our, this is my church. This is the church in America that we're a part of. This is our, this is our heritage right now. This is, this is who we are. And, 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 and what grieves me more than anything 
more than anything is, is that scripture that we read, Acts 2, 43. If you could put it up, Anastasia, it's not in my notes there, but if you would. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. This, this, is what, this, is, this is the real indictment on the church. Like, Jesus deserves to be glorified. Jesus deserves worship. He deserves to be magnified. He deserves to be sanctified in our hearts. The, the Lord Jesus who, 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 was, who was lifted high and stretched out wide and died on that cross deserves to be present in our meetings and worshipped and reverenced and held in awe in our midst. And unfortunately, it's not happening in the churches across America. And that has to change. Now, we're not in the first century. We don't have to do what they did, right? We're not being persecuted by Rome so we can have church buildings, right? We're not living in a world where they didn't have uh, printing presses, so we don't necessarily need someone to read the Bible to me. I can read it on my own. I can, I can study on my own. We can, there's things that we can do that, we can't, that they couldn't do. We don't have to go back 2,000 years and be exactly like they were because God is reaching every culture differently. But there are things that should be transcendent through the ages. Among those are our core doctrines that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was born from a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was murdered on a cross and He died and was buried in a grave. And the, the Lord... The Father raised Him from the dead and He was ascended to the right hand of the Father. One day He's coming back. There's supposed to be a sense of awe in the house. The Spirit of God has been released and He is here in our midst. When two or three are gathered, there He is. And miracle signs and wonders are still available for today that God lifts up and raises and anoints men and women to be ministers of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That there's no Greek nor Roman nor Jew nor Gentile. There's no black, white, brown. God's favor that, that we're all children of God and yet at the same point he appoints some to be elders in the house and he appoints some to be deacons and there is spiritual authority in the house of God and at the same time we all have authority over the works of the devil over the demons of this age the spirits and the principalities that we can resist them like these are truths that are to be transcendent and all of this is supposed to come together so that we can bring glory to the name of Jesus. This is supposed to be the point of it. I want to be positive today because I'm very happy about Jesus, but I'm grieved on the inside after I have some conversations. I'm tired of pastors getting more glory than Jesus. I'm tired of it. It's, it, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. I sat through a whole teaching on a pastor who said, you know, what I've learned as a, as a minister is, you know, if you, if, you, if you get people in love with Jesus, they may fall away. But if you get them in love with the Bible, then I'm like, what kind of blasphemy are you teaching right now? You don't trust a book more than God. I'm like, wh where did you get this from? This, why are we not throwing stones as a church, metaphorically speaking? This is insanity. Have you met him? Have you met Jesus? Have you met the beautiful one, the one with fire in his eyes? Have you met him with a heart that makes your heart burn within you when he speaks to you? Have you had the coal from the altar touch your lips and sanctify you as a preacher of the gospel? Like, we, we got to believe better than this. Where am I at? Oh I'm, I'm, oh, I'm doing pretty good. Or they didn't start my timer. Even better. This is beautiful. I'll have 20 minutes to go until I'm done. That's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We believe in the encounter of God. 
I believe that you could carry the encounter of God. I believe that you and I believe one touch from Jesus will change everything. I didn't I, I don't seen more miracles. I don't understand than ones I do. I, I just and I believe it. I absolutely believe it. I, I, I have just been reflecting. I got a word from my bishop to go back and start reflecting on the testimonies. And as I go back and just begin to try, I can't even write them all down, all the miracles I've seen, let alone the miracles I have received. How about you? I, I, I just, even the silly ones, you know, you know, sometimes the silly ones are the most significant. You remember, you remember that? You ever have like a silly miracle? Like, God, why do you show up with that? Like, I don't need this big thing. You did the silly thing in my life. And he's like, that's because I'm God. Just me? Let me tell you a funny one I had. I, I'll give you a funny one. And I've told this one many, many times that, um, that God reminded me of this week. I forget about it all the time that it reminds me. Uh, I, uh, when the Lord called me to move to, to South Florida. Um, I gave him an instant yes, right? Because I was, I, I grew up down here, and then I moved, uh, was in the service, and all kind of stuff, and then I wound up in Gainesville, going to University of Florida, and uh, and the Lord told me to move to South Florida, and I just, you know, I didn't have a no in me, and then I realized, oh, I, I could have bargained a little bit. <laughs> Darn it, I missed my bar- missed the bargaining moment, right? And so then I started, you know, talking to God, saying like. Well, okay, I, have, I got a job here, I got a career in Gainesville, I got, I got a network of friends, got a, you know, what, I'll move down there, but you know, like, how am I supposed to pay my bills, right? You've heard the story probably. And I say, so I say to God, how are you, how, and, and funny enough, I was making myself a bowl of cereal, right? I'm a grown man at this point, I've been in the service, I'm still eating cereal, right? And so I open, I open so I say to God, as I'm making this bowl of cereal, I say to God, how am I supposed to pay my bills? How am I supposed to eat when I move to South Florida? And I open up this box of cereal, and it said, congratulations, you won a year's supply of cereal. <laughs> God's like, I'm not interested in your issues, man. Just, I got you. I was single. I moved, I moved down here. I, I, I sent in my little coupon. And I got these two huge boxes of cereal. And I didn't stuff them in every cabinet I had. And I had that cereal for like over a year. When I got married, and I, Pastor Tracy and I moved in together after we got married, I had a whole box of cereal. Like one box was like books, one was cereal. It just had cereal, just boxes of cereal. And so like, I'm like, God's like, I got you, man. I, I, I got you. I believe in the God of the miraculous, don't you? This weird provision. I believe in that. I absolutely believe in that. Be faithful to God. He'll be faithful to you. You you use those deposit slips, you'll always have a check that you can write, right? And so we believe that these, these encounters with the power and presence of God do something. The problem is we need a framework to hold them. We need, we need some, um, um, we need, we need some uh, spiritual formation so we know what to do with these things. I I, I've seen a lot of people get saved in some really radical ways and had no way to walk out their salvation. I, I want better for you. And this is why we have talked about this in this message series. And I want to kind of give you a mind frame of, you know, it's not all done when you make the altar call. It's not all done as soon as you say, I believe in Jesus. It's, it's, it's that, that's not the end of the road. That's the beginning of the journey of your relationship with Jesus. Just like, praise God, my relationship with Pastor Tracy wasn't done once we got married. Right? Like, we, we, we started on a honeymoon. Aren't, aren't you glad we just go back to work? Right? We went on a honeymoon, had some kids. Praise God. Right? Like, there's more to it after the wedding. 
And so there's got to be more to it. We, and so now my wife and I have been married 20-something years. She tells me how many. I'm not exactly sure, but it's, it's more than 20. Uh, and and, and um, we, sometimes we just sit there. She told it last week. I should have it by now, but is it 22? <laughs> Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Um, praise God. Good job, Carl. And, um, and, and we just sometimes sit there and think about the life that we made together. Hear me, this is the benefit of riding out when times are hard. We've made a life together. Right? Like when your kids are obnoxious when they're six, seven, and then they get a little older. Anybody have any obnoxious small children? You don't have to lift your hands, but I'm, I feel you. I should just say, anybody have kids? You know? And then they get grown. Let me tell you, as someone with adult kids, and we know people here with adult kids, there's, there's a payoff later. It's, it's much later, but there's a payoff later. It's much later. I, I, my daughter's here. I was going to tell a funny story, but I'm not going to tell it now. She's here. I'll tell it anyways. <clears throat> so when she was graduating high school, we were looking at where she was going to go to college, and uh, we were looking at some out-of-town schools, some in-town schools. I was like, I wanted her to stay home. I'm like, I don't put up with you this long. I'm just starting to like you. Like, I want, I want you some payoff on all these years. Like, you just, you finally come out of the, the teenage years of, like, I don't want anything to do with you. Now I'm liking being around you. I want a couple years of payoff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A couple years of thank you. I, and and I, love, I love that both my kids live in the house. I enjoy both of them a good portion of the time. Um, and, 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 but we've built a relationship together, right? Like, like when my spouse comes in the room, when Tracy comes in the room, we know each other. We understand each other's facial expressions. We understand uh, when somebody's off. We understand when someone's having a bad day, and we're mature enough now in this relationship to not get offended. He's like, oh, maybe they're mad at me. I need to get bad at them, and I don't want to talk to me. And I'm like, oh, maybe they're having a bad day. Could I bless them? Like, could I actually make them have a better day instead of us having this, this power struggle, right? Like, that's, that's where we're at now. And we're at the place of maturity. Let me just speak some hope into some relationships right now. We're at the place of our relationship now where we're just like, we're just like hey, I need you to know I'm not having a good day. It's not you. I'm like, Okay, thanks. Or we'll say, listen, um, I'm not having a good day. Can you just not talk to me? Would that be, would that be all right? I'm like, Psh, bet, no problem. I'll be in the room. You do you. I'll do that. Cool, let me know when you're better, right? And so that's where we're at now. Like, like the relationship supersedes the moment, right? That's called maturity. And so my, my hope for you is your relationship with God is that you feel when the spirit is shifting and you're not like, oh, is he leaving me? You're like, oh, we're, we're shifting. Things are a little different. I understand now. Like, oh, I, I don't see God's blessing right now, but I know he's still with me. I've been through some things before. I know on the other side of this struggle, he's going to be good. I'm not constantly worried about, oh, am I going to get lost in sin? Am I going to get trapped? You're like, oh, no, no. God is still with me. We're still married. We still have a relationship. We've been through this before. There is a maturity to my relationship with God that I don't need to get another spoonful of sugar to make me stick around. Amen. Right? See, and so this is what I want for you. I want there to build something. And so we do that, hear me, by we, we, we're, trying to, we're trying, to, trying to embody this phrase. You ready? I am practicing my faith. Let's say it together. I'm practicing my faith. When someone wants to talk to you, stupid online, you just let them know, I'm just going to let that slide because I'm practicing my faith. You know, and I understand as, as, as you're not mature, you make it a little saltier than it needs to be. Like, 
I'm not going to respond to that stupid comment because I am practicing my faith. Practicing my faith. And we don't teach people to practice their faith these days. And I don't mean religiously. I'm not talking about religiosity. I'm not talking about that old religiosity that God is, all he cares about is what you wear or how your hair is or that old religion that says, you know, you can't go watch a movie or just, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about I understand that there is an ethical requirement as a Christian, and I am choosing to live within that ethos that God has revealed to me. Okay, you may be able to wear that. I can't wear that because I am practicing my faith. God has convicted me of why I dress this way, and so I cannot dress this way. I'm practicing my faith. Best between you and Jesus is how you're dressing, but for me and mine, I cannot do that. Right? I am practicing my faith. And so then as we learn to practice our faith, we build a relationship and a structure with God that carries us through. Keeps us. Holds us. Makes us part of the sacred tradition of the church. This is what we want to do. We want actions that accompany and show evidence of faith. What we say when we're demonstrating that we are not being formed to this world, but undergoing counter-cultural spiritual formation. We, we got to recognize, church, that we have been formed by this world. And every day, there are people who have devoted their lives to getting you to think a certain way for their benefit. That they have a financial vested interest in you thinking a certain way. In elevating a certain person. Like, there is a reason that the people who come on the radio come on the radio because somebody has a financial vested interest in that person becoming famous. It's not just a roll of the dice, it's not the best singers make it or the best musicians make it. There's a whole other aspect to it, a financial aspect to it, and those people made it because somebody else is benefiting from it. Are, are you hearing what I'm telling you? And that is, there is, a, there is a, 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 a emotional and spiritual formation that the world is doing. They want you to desire what they're selling. And as we come into Christ, we have to have, we have to fully engage a counter-cultural spiritual formation. It has to be done on purpose, has to be done intentionally, and it has to be done in the, with the desire that we reflect the image of Christ. This has to be who we become as Christians. It, it, <clears throat> so we have this, this, this graphic. We've been working off this entire message series. On the left, we see what, how the, 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 the culture is forming us with ignorance, selfishness, isolation, and self-reliance. And we have come against ignorance talking about how we need to study to show ourselves approved. We talked about the selfishness of this age and God calling us to be a people who live generously. We've seen the isolation the world wants us to be in, and Christ wants us to live in communion. And where this world wants, uh, wants to tell you about self-reliance, in fact, God wants you to be a people of worship. A people of worship. The idea that, there, that anybody is a self-made person is ridiculous. It's, 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 it's blaspheme because God created them, number one. Number two, their parents don't spend 20 years raising them. That's when I hear, I don't want to offend any business people. I don't care if I offend, actually. I don't want to offend anybody ever, but um, I hear these business people. I'm, oh, he's a self-made man. Like, really? Like, our taxes paid for every single one of his employees to get trained. 
but he's self-made. No, 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 nobody is self-made. Did you invent the computer that you built that business on? Did you invent the electricity that you used? Like, no, you're not self-made. We are all interconnected and, and rely upon one another. When the culture begins to reject truth, when we see the culture begin to fall down around us. What we're seeing in America today is like, oh, we've never been more divided. No, no, we have, no, we have never had as many people making money off division as we have today. That's the problem. And we're not publicly shaming people for not embracing these values of communion and worshiping the one true God. That is what's happening in our country today. That's what's happening in the world today. People are making money off the lie and because they're making money off the lie, we are divided. I don't want to go down that. I probably will later, but I don't want to go down that road right now because I actually have somewhere to get. In worship, people recognize God for who he is, and they express their love, praise, thanksgiving, service, and they live holy lives to God. This is what worship is. Worship is the primary call of every person. We gather as the people of God to give praise that is due to God. God is worthy of praise. We have a debt of praise to give Him. And when we come together in Sunday morning and sit under the teaching of the Word, when we give our offering and we serve one another in our various ministry areas, when we lift up a song to Jesus, we begin to worship God collectively. It's always been called to be a collective effort. We're always supposed to gather as a people in worship God, your attendance in church on the Lord's Day is part of the foundation of practicing your faith. I remember, I remember my, um, my wife and I were recently talking with a, a woman. It wasn't recent, actually, it was a while ago. And uh, we met her in a, on a social occasion. Uh, she didn't know we were pastors, but she knew we were Christians because you know, I got Christian tattoos. I, I'm just like, we're Christians. Like, we're Christians. It doesn't take long to find out we're Christians, right? Even if I'm not witnessing, and it doesn't take long to figure it out, right? And so this lady figured out that we're Christians, and she tells us, you know, she's with her boyfriend. She's like, I'm, I'm a good Christian girl. I, I, I you know, I, he wanted to be physical, but I didn't. I, I made him wait four weeks. I'm like, oh, wow, Mother Teresa right here, you know, waited a whole month. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, does that, there's got to be more. <laughs> I made him wait four weeks. I'm like, oh, wow, woof. Probably make a saint any time right now. I have an icon of you in my chastity right there. I, this is what happens when we're like not part of a body, and we don't understand what spiritual formation looks like. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to mock anybody right now. Um, and I understand people have different um, sins that they battle with, but at least battle it. Can, can can we at least be in the battle? Can 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 we at least be in the fight? I I, I if you're if you're if you're absolutely given to sin right now, right? If you are overwhelmed, if there's a sin, as the Bible calls it, a besetting sin. If there's a sin in your life that you can't get free of, be it anger, be it neglect, be it sexual, be it addiction, be it whatever it is, I want to give you a goal, right? Condemnation is not helping. And ignoring it is not helping. Just be better. Start with being better. Does this make sense? If, if you are a guy, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get PG-13 here. If you're a guy and you're looking at porn every day, be better. Like, like start every other. Like, so you say, today I'm not going to. I don't know about tomorrow, but today I'm not going to. 
Just, just a little bit, right? Like sometimes you need a little methadone before you can give up the heroin, right? Just, 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 can we just, be, I'm, can we be real right now? Can we get some people free and stop acting like the church and be the church, right? If you gossip a lot, try to gossip a little, right? Like try, try, try not, try to only gossip good things for a little bit, right? When, when you feel like you want to tear somebody down, just bring up their name and just say something nice, right? Just, just less. Can, can just, just get a little better, and day by day, the grace of God, maybe you can't get, and then here's what you do. You come to church every week, you come to the altar, and you have somebody lay hands on you and pray and declare freedom over your life. And then Monday morning, you say, today, I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to go to work, and while I'm at work, I'm going to work. And you're like, oh, I, can't, I don't know if I can do that a whole day. All right, until lunch, I'm going to work while they're paying me to work. I'm not going to rob my boss for the first half of the day at least. Second half today, I can't make any promises. But for this first four hours, I'm going to work. If you just work six of eight hours, you'd probably be one of the best employees on the floor, which is what Christians should be. You're paying me, I'm working. Is this landing with anybody? But, but when you gather here in the house of God and, and the prophetic word comes forth and teaches you this word, something happens internally where on Monday, you're going to hear my voice when you go like you get... And you check in your little thing, and you go to look at TikTok, you're like, oh, my voice is going to resonate in your ear. And you're like, well, at least until noon on Monday, I'm going to work. <laughs> That's the Holy Ghost of God coming through your pastor to be like, hey, how about we not lose this job? Let's break a curse here. Let's just go ahead and break a generational curse. Ain't no one in my family can keep a job. I'm going to break it by working at the job I'm paying, being paid to work at. I, I, I get it. I get it. But, but I need you to know something happens in your spirit when you gather with the saints to worship. Something happens in your spirit when you come here on a Sunday morning. Something happens in your spirit. There's people praying for you. There's people been fasting. There's people been um, 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 contending in the word so that something can happen on the inside of you. And I believe just sitting here under the preach word of God, the Holy Ghost is right now marinating in your spirit, man, bringing Jesus Christ alive, doing something in you that changes who you are. I believe that. This is, this is what the church was, was made for. There's angels in here that are here ministering to you that may just go home with you. That's like, I love that. I love seeing angels. I love knowing that they're at work and, and I can't make them do anything, but I'm sure happy that they're around and they're in the, they're in the gathering of the saints. But what we need to recognize as, as we gather as saints that, that, that there's more to church and, we're, and we're, we're teaching this as a foundational series. That's the whole goal we're teaching this series. Uh, the last one on the encounter this one on um, becoming like Jesus, and our next one is going to be about mission. These are foundational. This is where we're going as a church. This is the turning point in our church's life. And so I'm laying these three as a foundation for where we're going. And, and, and um, I, I, as I began to learn and get outside of my little charismatic bubble, I found out that the church has been around for a long time. And, and the church has carried the testimony of Jesus Christ for 2,000 years pretty well without me without our little network, without our, our way of doing church. And, and they have this thing that's called the liturgy. It's the way of doing church. And you may have gone to, uh, maybe grew up in a Catholic church, or maybe a church of God in Christ, or, or a Lutheran church, where they had this very formal way 
of doing church. Anybody been in a church service like that? They got the smells and the bells and the, and the kneeling and the standing, and you're like, I don't understand anything that's happening right now. And so you wind up at a church where they didn't actually pre-plan anything, right? And we thought that that was better. No, there's no the- theology to anything that they're doing. They're just doing with what might work well. And I feel like we probably have something to learn from the ancient church. I recently uh, met with uh, Father Mark from the Greek Orthodox Church that's on Yamato. Anybody driven by that church? Beautiful church. It's got the gold dome. This is, this is what the inside of their sanctuary looks like. That, that's all, that's all um, marble on the floor. It's gold leaf in all the painting. Um, beyond. I mean, it's just, you might say like, you might hate religious church, and you'll go in there, you'll be like, my God, this is, the walls are covered the ceiling is covered in the paintings of saints that went before them. They don't worship any of them. To them, it's like having a picture of your grandmommy who brought you over from, from slavery or, or your grandfather who brought you from Italy. To them, they're like, these are the people who you know, we just, like their testimony. We want their testimony around us, right? And so, um, so I, I, I began really conversing with uh, Father Mark, who loves Jesus, um, but they're Greek Orthodox and part of their service is in Greek. I'm like, I don't speak the language. You know, not, not, not for me, right? Uh, but there's something in this liturgy for us as believers, this history of the church for the last, you know, first 1,500 years, as I told you, um, the church universal didn't believe you had church if there was a communion. The whole church service is around receiving the body in, in, in the blood of the Lord. And, um, and I began to pray. And this is when we started doing uh, the Apostles' Creed. I was shocked at how many people would come to me and argue with me about things in the church and didn't understand basic church doctrines. Now, I believe if you say this Apostles' Creed every week, something's going to get in your spirit. And when some false prophet comes to you talking about Jesus just as spirit, you're just going to begin rattling off the Apostles' Creed. No, actually, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You know, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the... Like, I, I, but no, no, this is what I believe. And the church has been working this out for 2,000 years. We have something to learn from that. And so this, what we call the liturgy, what's, what's funny is when I um, am in grad school and I got to be an older person in grad school and, and someone would bring up, you know, well, we, don't, we don't have a liturgy in my church. Like, oh, you don't have a liturgy? Like, no. So, so every week you don't do the same thing every single week. Let me guess. Uh, you have worship, then announcements, uh, then an offering, and then the message, and then altar call, right? Yeah. Yes, that is your liturgy. You have a way of doing church. The difference is there's no theology behind yours. At least in the Orthodox Church, there's a purpose to everything they do. You can disagree with the purpose, but at least they put some thought into it. We just said, this kind of works best. Let's do it. Are, are you feeling me here? Are, are, are you understanding what I'm saying here? And so let me show you how Jesus partook in the liturgy of the Jews. In the Jewish synagogue, they had a liturgy. To this day, they have a liturgy. There's every single Sunday, there is a reading that the church universal is doing. And if we see in Luke chapter 4, it says, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus was a rabbi. So, of course, he taught in the synagogues. That's what rabbis do. And stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set those who are oppressed, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim 
the favorable year of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. And I love that that's who Jesus is. But it wasn't just Jesus didn't just show up and decide to read that about himself. Jesus didn't just pick a scripture and say, hey, I think I'll just read this. No. According to the liturgy, the week he got to the temple and they asked him to read, it just so happened to coincide that the week he was supposed to read, they were supposed to hear about Isaiah. And who knows, before the foundation of, of, of the entire liturgy, it had been decided historically that on that week, Jesus would have been at a certain age. He had just turned 30 and he was going to be there in the synagogue just having been baptized by John coming out of the desert and he would show up. I mean, like, like it all supernaturally came together that the Messiah came and read the scripture on this Sunday proclaiming the beginning of his ministry. What is that? Like, what are we supposed to gain from this? Because this is in the scriptures for a reason. This tells us that God is fully in the planning. We don't have to make something up for it to be the Holy Ghost. It doesn't have to be a prayer that we wrote 20 seconds ago. It could be something I've been thinking about for a couple months and writing out and figuring out theologically and talking to people for such a time as this. There's a season of preparation to what you're supposed to be doing. And in the charismatic church and in, and in the modern church at large, we just want instant. What, what is cool right now? What's popular right now? Let's get it out. Let's push it out there. Let's do it. And God is like, if you will just give me a minute. I, it took me a week to, take the, to make the world. You could at least take a week to write a message. Like You could at least think a little bit about where you're, where you're going before you deliver a word. You don't have to give a prophetic word the instant it pops in your head. You can actually pray through it and ask God what he's saying. And and as we plan a church service, we can look six weeks out because not for nothing, God knows what's happening in six weeks. And so here's Jesus. Shows up on the scene. Here's what I want you to get from this. This shows how God moves in the disciplines of our faith. It's not religious. It's not being religious. It actually is more faith in God knowing that I am taking my time on this thing, trusting God's going to be with me at the end. I, so many men I know who want to go into ministry when I was young in the Lord were like, I was like, you might want to get a job. They're like, no, I'm going to be in ministry. Well, then you might want to go to Bible college. No, God's going to raise me up. And they just wait year after year after year for someone to do something that they had not prepared for. And I was so sad for these men that they didn't put their hand to the plow and work and I see, well, I don't want to go down that road. Prepare yourself for what God has called you to. You will find out that when you finish that season of preparation, it'll be right on time. Amen. That's a good word, Pastor. I know that's not as exciting, but it's a good word. Did you know that, this is a little nugget for you right here. As we study the scriptures, and those of you who have studied New Testament survey and uh, 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 hermeneutics, and the Bible's made up of stories. Right? Little, little phrases, of little, little groups of teachings are called paracopies. Right? And these paracopies are like, a, if you were to say, I'm going to preach on this little phrase of the Bible. Uh, and so in, 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 in the lectionary, generally you have a paracopy and then you, you, you preach on that. Every week they give you a New Testament reading, an Old Testament, excuse me, a gospel reading, an Old Testament reading, and either a New Testament reading and a psalm. And uh, the book of Mark is comprised of 52 paracopies. 52. Have you heard that number before? 52 weeks in the year. Mark was giving them a liturgy on the life of Jesus. 
We're going to teach you the life of Jesus in 52 as you could study these scriptures. Why? Because that's what the Jews have always done. They went through the scriptures in a lectionary. And, and we have to be able to understand that we, we don't need magic to be Christians. We have this magical thinking in a lot of Christians. If I just hope it long enough, it comes to pass. Like, we actually need preparation. We, we, like, like, like if, if you don't know how to manage money, don't expect to become a millionaire. Just, just don't, don't. Malachi talked about, you know, you got, you got pockets with holes in them. It don't matter how much money God gives you, you ain't never going to be rich, right? He told Malachi that the cure for that is to tell the people to be faithful to God with their finances. But people have this magical thinking as if what I do won't affect my life in front of me. And we have magical thinking about our marriages. You're not a good spouse, but you're magically thinking your marriage is going to get repaired. And it's, it, it doesn't, we can't magically have good kids. We have to, you might want to read a book on parenting. If, if you want to play key, keys like uh, Mike did this morning, you might want to take lessons. Are, are we on the same page right now? We have to be willing to put into work for the future that we desire. We have to be willing, come on somebody, we have to be willing to say, I am going to be trained in this thing that I want to be excellent in. I'm just laying, I'm laying foundation right now. We're going to praise in a minute. <clears throat> I want you to know that God is with you. He's with you. <clears throat> and I want you to trust God, and I want you to obey what he's telling you to do in this season. I feel like the God, God is um, he's lifting the requirement for us, if it makes sense. He's saying, I got great things ahead for you, but I just need you to be involved in the process a little bit more. <clears throat> There is a, uh, a heresy in the church right now, and I'm going to speak on it a second, and I, and I feel as a pastor I was supposed to speak on it today, so I'm going to. There's this thing called Christian nationalism, and it sounds Christian because it's got the word in the name, but it's nothing but institutionalized racism. Christian nationalism is, is a curse that has never worked out well for any country that tried it. The Nazi party was built on Christian nationalism. The British had a thing called um, the British Israelites. They thought that the white Anglo-Saxons were from the ten tribes of Israel. And that's why they were conquering the world and murdering the indigenous. I don't, I don't understand this disconnect. Um, but why, 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 is this, why is this growing in the church today? Because people are not discipled in the word, preaching through the text, even the hard parts they don't want to talk about. We just preach people enough sugar that they expect that every word I get from God should give me a sugar high. As opposed to, hey, we're going to have to talk about Job. We're going to have to talk about suffering. We're going to have to talk about dying to self. We're going to have to talk about sacrificial living. Like, these are the hard lessons we don't want, but these are the lessons that put meat on our bones. Yeah, you know what Jesus said about the church? He said in Mark chapter 11, he began to teach them and said, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you call it a robber's den. <clears throat> when you start thinking that Jesus prefers your house above the other nations, you become a robber's den. You become robbing, you begin robbing Jesus of what he alone is worthy. Because only his kingdom is above every other kingdom. And that kingdom is not America, it's not Great Britain, it's not Brazil, I don't know where you're from, it's not that area either. The kingdom of heaven is completely separate from the kingdom of God. And we have to be submitted to this king who's coming and establishing his kingdom on this earth. And we have to be dying to ourselves to receive that kingdom. Are you with me? 
I wanted to speak on it. I think that's a good word. And we need, to, we need to be resisting this wherever it comes. But Jesus did tell us to pray. How did he tell us to pray? He says, when you pray, pray this way. In Mark chapter 16, I believe. He said, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Keep us from temptation. Deliver us from evils. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Whose is the kingdom? His is the kingdom. His kingdom come, not our kingdom. It's not here yet, and we're not going to build it. He's coming back with his kingdom. Until then, we are to be Christians as citizens of that kingdom. Are you with me? Come on up, band, if you would, if you don't mind. We're going we're to worship here in a second, and you guys are going to enter into something very supernatural. <clears throat> are you getting anything today? When you live like a Christian and you give your life to Jesus <clears throat> and you begin praying the way that Jesus prayed, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> all of a sudden your life begins to reflect the life of God. And the things that happen in the life of Jesus begins to happen in your life. I'll say that again. When you give your life to God and you become a disciple of Jesus, all of a sudden your life starts to look like his life. And the things that happen in his life begin to happen in your life. So Sunday morning we come and we worship at the beginning of service, right? I love worshiping Jesus, don't you? Don't you love worshiping? I love singing at the top of my lungs and watching heaven come down and flood the room. Give me a little keys if you would. Floods the room and then, and then there's, a, there's, a, there's a supernatural atmosphere that's all around me. I love that. I love it, I love it, I love it. But there's something bigger happening in the worship. There's something bigger that's happening in my preaching. Again, I'm not preaching just to get you excited. I'm a preaching to get you affected. I, I, I'm trying to get something on the inside of you. I'm trying to establish something in you. I'm trying to establish something in us. Because I need that gift in you, and you need that gift in me. And we need to be able to discern the gift in one another so that we can be the people of God. So when we worship on Sunday morning, my, it's my heart that something happens on the inside of you. It's my heart that something happens in the heavens above you. It's my heart that something happens in your mentality of who God is. <clears throat> Here's what's going to begin happening in the next couple months. <clears throat> We're going to start seeing more supernatural activity during worship in this house. And I need you to be looking for it. I need you to see what God is doing. I need you to see when the angels are ministering. I need you to see what's happening around you. Because we want to partner with God in His kingdom. So we come here on Sunday morning and we worship. And that's good. And I want you to, I want you to enjoy it. But even better than Sunday morning, I want it to affect your Monday afternoon. I want, I want, I want when, when you come in here and life has been hard, and I mean, it's, we're living in some hard times right now, amen? Financially, it's some hard times right now. 
housing market's crazy. Job market is stupid. Everything's more expensive, but everybody's paying less. Things don't make no sense. And so you come in here, and you have a choice to make. Am I going to give God what is due Him, or am I waiting to receive? And, and of course, you're going to choose that to put the world to the side and choose Jesus. And you enter into His Spirit where you see what He's doing on the other side. And all of a sudden, you're not dictated by the, the gas prices or the job market. You're now tapped into heaven's economy. You're, you're tapped into God's will. All of a sudden, you're living according to a different way of thinking. Whereas you used to believe things were going to get worse, you done seeing God and how He's working on your behalf, and you know despite everything around you, things are going to get better. Come on, somebody. Because God has promised it in His Word. And you have now entered into that, that realm of faith. Come on, somebody. That realm of faith that says, I know I know what the doctor said, but I also know what Jesus has said to me. And I refuse, no matter how many reports I get over there, I've heard the voice of the Lord. He visited me in worship, and I am holding on to that word. So that on Wednesday, when your boss says, hey, there's going to be some layoffs, but God has already told you you're getting a promotion, you're like, I feel bad for somebody. If I didn't know Jesus, that would be scary. But the fact is, I, I, I know there is a bomb in Gilead. I know that there is one who is above this economy who has already spoken to me and prepared me for this season. Come on, so I feel like I'm preaching better than you're preaching back to me. That's all right, though. I'm going to keep preaching and get it on the inside of you. But there is one who has prepared you for this. We see this in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 6, the, the disciples, were in a, were, were in a, they were locked in a cell. The complete opposite of what they thought was going to happen. But they were locked in a cell, but they didn't know that they don't trap the Holy Ghost in the cell with them. You see, the, 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 that's, what, that's what the jailers couldn't know. The jailers didn't know that that's, you can't lay in a box tight enough to hold Jesus out of it. Funniest scripture in the entire Bible is when they said they tried to lock Jesus in that grave with a stone and said, guard it. Yeah, that's, that, that good, good luck with that one. The God who made the earth, you're going to keep him in a, in a, in a, in a cave. Good. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one right there. And so they don't, put the, they don't put the apostles in the cell, but they made a mistake because these guys had something that they didn't know about. They don't had, had a worship in their heart that they were brought into the cell with them. Even though the jailers had the physical key, they didn't recognize that they had the heaven's key on the inside of them that had already been trained for them to carry in times just like this. And they recognized, I serve the God who was, who was alive and then dead, but then became alive again. These little bars ain't none compared to what my Savior has done, and He lives on the inside of me. So the Bible says they were trapped in that cell, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were doing what? They were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and what was happening? The other prisoners were listening to them what are they doing? What have they got that I don't got? Oh, I got a praise on the inside of me that is bigger than anything happening around me. I got a praise. Come on, somebody. I got a praise on the inside of me. I got a praise. 
I woke up yesterday morning. I didn't know what was going on, and the Lord began singing this old song. I don't know if the Lord was singing it. He probably sings better than what I heard. But I heard this old, this old hymn that uh, Clint Brown used to sing, and it was about, I got to praise. I got to praise. I got to praise that stills the enemy. I got to shout that brings the victory. I got a song burning in me. That's why I sing. The Lord began singing that to me. I woke up and I said, I got a praise that stills the enemy. I got a shout that brings the victory. I got a song burning in me. That's why I sing. And these prisoners were watching Paul and Silas. They got the, this. This was their songbook right here, where somebody said, "Oh, they're all religious, quoting the songs." Oh, but it ain't religious when you've got them living on the inside of you. The one who inspired these words is living, bringing victory, bringing life to these words. And Paul and Silas began singing. About midnight, the darkest hour of the night, Paul and Silas stood up and began to sing a praise. They began to bring their shouts. They began to bring their song. And the Bible tells us that about midnight, as they were doing this, verse 26, suddenly there came a great earthquake. You see, the God on the inside of you who is living and breathing and is above every principality and power as you begin to give voice to him as you begin to vocalize who he is the world begins to reverberate at God's frequency I know it sounds new age but hear what I'm trying to tell you right now the world right now is being discipled by someone's greed by the lust of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life but when you give word to the prophetic voice of God it begins to be shaped at a different frequency and we understand when these frequency hits the frequency of the world things begin to shake and the Bible says that at that time suddenly there became a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken hear me God doesn't just want to change and rearrange the room that you're in he wants to break the foundation of oppression in your life he wants to break the foundation of poverty in your life. He wants to break the foundation of quarrels and consternations and friction in your life. The very things that this world is built upon, the foundation that this world is built upon, the culture that this world is built upon. He wants you to speak a countercultural formation that begins to shake these things. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching good right now. I feel like the Holy Ghost is talking. So the foundations of the house were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everybody's chains were unfastened. Stand with me if you would. I believe there's a praise on the inside of you that you could give God for 10 seconds right now. You could just begin to thank Him right now. You just begin to just clap your hands. This is what we're learning. Just clap your hands. Just clap your hands and say, I got something to thank Jesus for. Come on, just even if you don't feel like it, begin to clap. Begin to clap. Begin to shout a little bit. Raise your voice and just thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. I got a praise on the inside of me. I didn't get the report I wanted, but I know the report is coming because I done got a good report before. You done broken the back of the enemy with your resurrection. Oh, is that it? Come on, come on, come on, come on. I feel like some people got stronger foundations of bondage that need to be broken right now. 
Come on, this is what we're going for. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many signs and wonders were taking place at the hands of the apostles. Because they had a praise on the inside of them. They had a shout on the inside of them. They had a song burning within them. I'm preaching today, but there is spiritual impartation happening right now. For those who will lean into it and get it on the inside. Say, I'm willing to be marked by praise today. I've been getting kicked around a little bit, but I'm, I'm doing a little of the kicking now. I got I to gotta kick, I'm going to return now. I've been slapped a little bit, but now it's time for me to do the slapping in this season. I've been tripped a few times, but now my praise is going to start doing the tripping in this day and age. They coming at you sideways. You phone tell them, oh, you tripping. Oh, you don't understand. You really tripping because I got a praise. I got a song. I got a shout that's going to change some things in my life as I allow God to form who I am. We're going to worship right now. We're going, we're going to pray and we're going to praise. We're going to believe God is going to break something in our circumstance. You ready? Come on. We're going, we're going to lift it up. We're going to lift it up. We're going to pick it up. And you're going to stay lifted. Come on. 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 Lift your voice for a second. And just begin to thank him. Come on. Begin to praise him right now. Bring it up, Mike. Come on. We're going to praise him. We're going to thank him. Lift your voice. Anybody got a shout in the room? Anybody got a praise to deliver in the room? Anybody got a, a song that they could sing over their season right now? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. We praise you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on, lift your voice. Darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We make a miracle worker, promise keep. Come on. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, come on, come on, lift your voice, come on. We make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. We make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come in the name of Jesus. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Breakthrough in this room. Breakthrough in this room. Freedom in this room. Freedom in this room. Right now in the name of Jesus. We break the back of the devil. In the name of Jesus. Keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. That is who you are. That's who you are, Jesus. We make come on, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are here. Come on, come on, come on. I worship you. I worship you. 
guys a shout. Come on. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Jesus, you love the things 
been called. You do the call and purpose of God. You love his kingdom and not this darkness of this world in Jesus' name. Come on, give it another minute. Let's go. Come on. Lean in. That is who you are. 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 We make miracle work. Promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who. Je papa nous va au gloire parce qu'on méritait toute gloire toute la vie tout le monde qui l'a c'est pour yo yé yo non mère pas aucun bagaille là qui c'est pour Satan lié Satan pas aucun pouvoir là Dieu pas aucun pouvoir là pas rien yo ka faire là pas aucun autre puissance qui plus fort parce que puissance Paul c'est ou même qui bon Dieu c'est ou même qui bon Dieu c'est celle ou même qui bon Dieu c'est celle ou même qui bon Dieu c'est celle ou même qui bon Dieu Dieu pas aucun pouvoir là ou pas dire aucun parole sur petit bon Dieu ou pas ou pas mettre main sur petit bon Dieu ou pas gagner aucun plan sur petit bon Dieu c'est petit bon Dieu yo c'est petit bon Dieu yo bon Dieu grand plan pour chaque petit lion Man, hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Let's sing one plan pour chaque petit lion. Nous sauver par grâce. Pour voir bon Dieu, il est plus grand. Bon Dieu est plus grand. Parce qu'il n'y a pas de choses. Il n'y a pas de choses. Il n'y a pas de choses. Bon Dieu, nous avons gloire parce que nous connaissons celle ou même qui est bon Dieu. Sing it one more time if you would please. Miracle work, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who Hallelujah. you are. Good job. Hey, do you feel like the Lord has ministered to you today? Are you with me here? Are you in this realm with us? Come on, give, give the Lord a clap off review of this. Let me bless you before we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance on you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen, amen. Give another clap offering to the Lord. If you need to, you can just sit here in the front in the presence of God and let God do what he wants to do in your life. We love you. We'll see you next week. We got, don't forget the ladies group next week. I'm online teaching on Wednesday and we got life groups. God bless you. Have a great week.